It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Stephen Means, and that's Andrew Gillis. And it's another recruiting pod. You're getting the second hit of recruiting this week because it's recruiting, man. It's interesting. It's interesting year round. There's always stuff going on. And Ohio State football coaches are out on the road right now while the football team is going through winter workouts. So why not talk more recruiting stuff? We're doing a a, a list here. We're saying the three most important things on Ohio State's to-do list headed into the spring for its 2025 recruiting class. Well, I don't actually know. It doesn't have to be only for the 2025 recruiting class. That's just a class that's on deck to sign in December. And so, Andrew, our recruiting guy, we're going to run through that list here. 614-350-3315 614-350-3315 if you want to get the text messages, man. Two-week free trial, $399 after that. All news, all analysis, all anything you would ever want. Andrew, what is the most important thing Ohio State needs to get done on the recruiting trail as it heads in the spring, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple kind of big, kind of big picture overarching themes, but the number one thing for me is that you want to see st- – some traction on the defensive line. Um, you know, you you look at some guys, you know, there's London Merritt. He's out of Georgia. You know, that would be a really, really nice swing for them. Um, Trent Wilson, he's in Maryland. Uh, you have Justin Hill. He's down at Winton Woods. Like, that's got to be a guy that you want. You already missed out on Chris Burgess. Chris Burgess committed to Notre Dame. Um, and, and he was kind of like the first one of the class that really on the defensive line that you you were in on and that you would have taken. And the the thing for me as to why I put this number one is because I look at future defensive line rooms and you can start to maybe see a worrying pattern. Um, you know, you've got Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloau and uh, Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton and Tywan Malone and you, you've got a great kind of rotation there that doesn't even include you know Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry and Hiru Canoe and and Mitchell Melton like you you've got so many guys that can play the defensive line kind of in that in that mix and that's great and that and that's what you're going to need for the 2024 team we can we're going to keep hammering that over the next handful of months and into the season uh, that you're going to need some depth especially in this 12 team playoff world however. 
of the players that I just listed, like Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloa will not be around in 2025. They're going to be gone. Ty Hamilton, gone. Tywin Malone, gone. Tyleek Williams, gone. Then, you, I mean, this doesn't include transfers, uh, but you still have Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry and Hiro Canoe and, you know, Jason Moore. I know they're really high on. Like, there are guys that you like that you can have for maybe another year, but then that's it. And Ohio State only signed two defensive ends in this class, Edric Houston and Dominic Kirks. The Dominic Kirks signing definitely really helped them um, just in terms of numbers, in terms of talent. You know, you bring in, especially this late in the process, um, you know, you bring in a guy who who is that talented and is that good. Um, you know, that's a um, that that's a big deal. He's number 161 in the um, in the 247 composite rankings. He's a four star defensive end. So you bring him in to, to go with your five star in Edric Houston and your three star tackle in Eric Mensa. But you still need numbers and you just look at where this class is headed, you know, Jack Sawyer, five-star, JT Tumaloa, five-star, both those guys are going to be leaving the room. And, you know, you have Edric Houston and that's great, but you need some quality and you need some numbers, not for the 2025 season. You know, I want to be clear, this is not, oh man, the room is in trouble in 2025, but I think you could start to see some issues in 2026. And that's what we're talking about with recruiting. We're not talking about the 2024, 2025 Buckeyes. We're talking about 2026 and 2027. And I think you would start to be a little concerned that the room is kind of losing some talent and losing out on some some high level guys. So I think closing on defensive linemen and putting your or putting yourself in good position to land some of those defensive linemen over these next you know couple of months that that's going to be a really big. So right now, obviously, Ohio State's twenty twenty five recruiting class, which is fourth nationally, has one defensive lineman in it, and that's the here Mathis, the number forty player, the number five edge rusher in the country, four-star recruit, second highest rated player in that class. But to your point, Andrew, we are talking about a potential mass exodus of defensive linemen over the next couple of years here, whether it's guys who are graduating or maybe Kenyatta Jackson or Caden Curry or one of these other third-year guys pops and they decide to go pro here. I, I get why that one is completely on your list. And it's an interesting one because it's not just about, hey, refilling the room. It's like, hey, it's about the leader of the room, right? right. To, to, right? Like, is how much longer is Larry Johnson going to do this? And this has been a conversation now for five, six, seven years of how much longer Larry Johnson is going to do this. But with every year that passes, you get closer and closer to that date when that does actually happen and Larry Johnson is no longer leading your defensive line room. And so how does Ohio State handle that? What do they do potentially with this coaching staff? Because as of right now, they still got a spot open on their coaching staff, which is expected to be on a defensive guy. Are they just going to promote James Laurinaitis at this point to linebackers coach and deal with that problem a year from now of like how they're going to deal with the Larry Johnson issue? Or do they find a guy to bring alongside with Larry Johnson as maybe an assistant defensive line coach in that room as well? That's still the question to be answered yeah. for Ryan Day in terms of his staff. But that is a, a long-term issue is Ohio State's going to have to basically rebuild, replenish its room here very quickly in the defensive line room, but also – is Larry Johnson going to be the guy doing that? Yeah, to me, I think of the coaching point that you just made, to me, the coach is going to be one of two people. It's going to be James Laurinaitis, or it's going to be insert defensive line coach here that you can point to and say, hey guys, next in line, here it is. You know, this is like the coach in waiting that it feels like that used to be a thing. 
in college football. I remember like James Franklin at Maryland was the coach in waiting. Um, and I feel like mm-hmm. at Virginia Tech, they did that with like Bud Foster and he was the coach in waiting for Frank Beaver. And now just nobody does that anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> because this changes so much. But I think you could do that for another year where you can just say, hey, guys, like, look, we have another defensive line coach on the staff and we're going to recruit you with both of these people because we want you to know that one of these two people is going to be around when you commit. So to me, yeah, it's either insert defensive line coach here or it's James Ornitis. Okay, so that's the number one thing on Andrew's list. This is going to be about Andrew's list because he covers recruiting. I don't. So I don't know. I don't know anything. So, but that, this well, is going to be Andrew's know about list. That. I, think you I don't know want to say bit. I know. Yeah, I know a little bit. You know, I'm okay. I've been around the block a couple of times, but we're we're letting Andrew carry the, the heavy lifting on this pod today. So what's number two for you on this list, Andrew? Offensive line. Um, you have got to have. You've got to have the best class you've had in years up front. Because again, it's it's the problem of what's coming down the line and what's coming down the pipe. And I mapped this out in terms of you know what the offensive line could look like with and why Seth McLaughlin's so important. Like I talked about this in uh, Buckeye Breakfast that ran on uh, Wednesday morning. Basically, what McLaughlin gives you is a guy who has like 22 career starts, uh, and if you can have him at center, Donovan Jackson, I think has like 26. And then you've got Josh Simmons at left tackle. And I understand it was just his first year at Ohio State. But that's a player who you feel really good about kind of moving forward. And then does Josh Fryer play right guard? And and there's all these kind of permutations and all these kind of different scenarios that you could do that we could genuinely do an entire podcast about. Like, what about the offensive line doing this? Or what happens if this? And, you know, with the offensive line, there's just so much that you can talk about with veterans and where this unit could go and you could get to the end of the line and there's not a crazy scenario out there where you're like okay this Ohio State offensive line they're not going to win the Joe Moore award uh somebody screenshot or screen cap that just in case they do and I look like an idiot but they're not going to win the Joe Moore award but you feel pretty good about them in terms of their their outlook as as a veteran offensive line and just kind of going into tough environments. You're going to have to go to the Autzen Zoo, and you're going to have to play Oregon, and you're going to have to be in big-time environments. You have to go to Happy Valley. That's going to be a really tough game, and I know that's a little bit later in the season, but there are going to be those games in the regular season. You're going to have to go on the play, uh, go into the 12-team playoff and play some teams. I mean, if they're, if they're playing on the road, there's, there's some questions I have about where the season kind of went off the rails a little bit, but what if you do have to go on the road? And what if, what if you do have to do that? Or what happens if you have to play LSU in a quarterfinal and all of a sudden, or, you know, that game's at the Sugar Bowl? Or I would have to check the quarterfinal. But you know what I'm saying, like the quarterfinal site dates where it's like you're playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl or you're playing Florida State in the Orange Bowl and you have to play a game where it's basically a road game. What, what happens if, what happens then? And you need veterans on the offensive line and that's going to be a really big deal. But after the season, you can start to draw a map to, okay, McLaughlin's gone. Donovan Jackson's gone. Okay, Josh Fryer's gone. Okay, Josh Simmons might be gone. Okay, like like you can start to map this out. And yeah, there are some promising options. Tegra Shabola. We've mentioned his name a lot as somebody that you can feel really good about. Uh, Luke Montgomery and, and and I you know I don't want to get too bogged down in with the guys on the roster currently because this is recruiting but 
you don't really know with kind of that next wave. You don't know with Tegra Shabola. You don't know with Luke Montgomery. You don't, I mean, we saw Carson Hinsman and you need to see improvement from Carson Hinsman. Like, I don't think he was awful, but it's just, you need to see him get better. And you still don't know kind of what the level of that is going to be. And do you feel good with the Armstrong twins, Ian Moore and Gabe Van Sickle? I, I don't know. You've already got a great starting point in Carter Lowe. You know, you get a top 100 recruit on the offensive line, especially a tackle. That's a really big deal. That's a like that's a that's a really really big deal. I want to emphasize that a lot. But you've got to close on some of these other guys, and we've just seen it that Ohio State's not afraid to throw around some coin. So you you like you've got to go and land some of these other offensive linemen that can help you. And because, because again, this is not a, you know, this is not a situation where you can just find a plug and play Jeremiah Smith. Hey, look, everything's good now. Cause we have an offensive tackle because we signed one in the class. That's not, that's not how this works. And this is a situation where, you know, best case scenario, best case scenario, you sign somebody in the 25 class. And then all of the sudden you're like, okay, Best case scenario, he's a decent contributor in 2026. Like that's the level that you're working out. It's or working at. It's like if you've ever had to start a diet because you've like, you know, I gotta lose 15 pounds. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. You're not gonna lose all 15 pounds in one day. You know, you're not gonna be able to walk out there and be like, ah, it's just, it's immediately fixed. No, you've got to do this time and time and time again. And quite literally, you've got to put the legwork in so you can drop that weight. And that's gonna be where the offensive line is right now, where. You know, you've got to go get Micah DeBose. You've got to go get the guys like Jordan Seaton, that five-star Colorado commit who you were close on and you just weren't able to finish. And, you know, th- there's there's situations there where everybody's different. But, you know, Avery Gatch, the kid out of Michigan, that would be a nice pull. Matty Augustine, the kid out of Connecticut, that would be another nice pull. There are guys like that, and those are players that Ohio State's offensive line has got to, got to, has got to close on. Um you know, I, I think, um, you know, there, there's a kid up at um, Maslin. I know Ohio State's looking at uh, Nolan Davenport. Like there's there's guys in state that you can get to. And it's going to be a really important couple of months for Justin Fry and for Ohio State. And if you can land some of these guys, you've got to have you've got to have a plan for plan A, plan B and plan C for what the offensive line is going to look like. Because if you don't, you you got some problems. And, and I think the future of the offensive line is going to be really murky. Because again, this is a development position. There's not like, think about the guys that were in the portal this year. Seth McLaughlin was your kind of big fish that you pulled on the offensive line. And no offense to Seth McLaughlin. He's a you know two-year starter at Alabama, just played in the college football playoff. But nobody's looking at Seth McLaughlin as like, oh, he's a first-round pick at center. You know, nobody's looking at, some of these guys that are entering the transfer portal and saying, "Ah, oh, well, Joe Alt's in the transfer portal. Olu Fashano's in the Olu Fashano's in the transfer portal. Those guys don't happen, right? Like those guys don't happen. So you've got to develop internally on the offensive line, or else you're just going to be kind of patching some holes. And in order to avoid that, I think you need to have a really, really strong class. And it's big for Justin Fry over these next couple of months. To your point, there were some five-star tackles in the portal in terms of like they were five-star recruits as. It was five stars of recruits, but then obviously yeah. they're in the portal for a reason. It didn't necessarily pl- turn out the way it maybe should have been turning out when they got 
when they went to their respective schools. I do think you're hitting on something, though. For starters, Ohio State does already have one top 100 offensive line commit, and that's Carter Lowe, their most recent commit, number 79 player, the number nine tackle out of Toledo, Whitmer High School in Ohio, that's up in northwest Ohio. But that still kind of plays into what they have been doing, and that's getting these in-state top 100 offensive linemen, but they don't necessarily have that same level of success outside of the state. Luke Montgomery, in-state guy. Donovan Jackson was playing high school ball in Texas, but he's got as strong as Ohio ties you can have without actually being from Ohio. Paris Johnson, Ohio guy. The last time they went and got a five-star kid who had no ties to Ohio whatsoever on the offensive line, that was Harry Miller in 2019, and that was Brian Days. Justin Fry wasn't even here yet. So I think you've hit on something – it's not just going and getting depth. I think they are going to have to go get some depth support, but you need guys where in year two, Harry Miller was a starter. In year one, he was in the two deep. In year two, Paris Johnson was a starter. In year one, he was in the two deep. In year in year two, Donovan Jackson was a starter. In year one, he was in the two deep. In year two, Luke Montgomery might be a starter for you this year. He could potentially be your starting right tackle or right guard. Who knows? In year one, he was in the two deep. And they need more of those, though. They don't have enough of those guys where in year one, you're in the two deep because offensive linemen starting as true freshmen is rare. That means something both yeah. went absolutely right and yeah. absolutely wrong. Caden Proctor being Alabama starting left tackle in year one. Kudos to him as a five-star recruit doing that. But also Alabama probably sh- shouldn't have been in that position where they had to rely on true freshmen. There's nothing wrong with true freshmen playing. It's just they need to be playing because they're just that good. You can't keep them off the field versus you don't have any other options. So let's just go with the young guy who can at least learn on a job with a high level. It's take a, as the wide receiver room looks. If Jeremiah Smith doesn't start this year, it's okay. He's a true freshman. He, he probably will or at least play starting, starting level snaps. But I don't think anybody's going to look at things sideways if Jeremiah Smith isn't a starter because that means some of the veterans have come along and they need that. In the, in the offensive line room. They just need more people, whereas true freshmen, to your point, Andrew, no, they're not starters, but they're at least in the two deep. They're at least yeah. progressing in a way that we get to their second spring, their, the spring of their second year, and you're going, okay, can this guy win a job? Because they've had a couple of those guys, but it's typically just one a year, and they probably need two or three of those guys because this isn't about raising the floor of your offensive line room. This is also about raising the ceiling of that room. Yeah, when you were saying that, the guy that was just screaming at me was Luke Montgomery. You know, that I think that that's the kind of name that you want. Like, you want Luke Montgomery because you're like, man, Ryan Day is bringing that guy's name up unprompted multiple times in signing day or at, at Big Ten Media Day. And he's coming back to Columbus and you're like, okay, maybe it was just whatever. And then you get to and then you get to Columbus and you get to fall camp and you sit in the that auditorium and he's like oh yeah Luke Montgomery he's like right in that mix too like you want to have those type of guys but you can't have just one like you want to have you know a, a guy that can push Josh Fryer or Seth McLaughlin like how great would it be for Ohio State to be looking at their offensive line and being like you know what if we don't start Josh Simmons or Josh Fryer or Seth McLaughlin Oh, well, like, like that's kind of the mentality that you have to take with this is it's not like it, it's not a guarantee for your position. And you look at the offensive line recruiting and you're like, you know what, if, if we have a guy that's better than him, 
then so be it. And then we can just kind of push them out of the way. And that's fine. Like Justin Fry would love Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shibola and Carson Hinsman to be in the best five of Ohio State's offensive line. And you know what? If that pushes out Seth McLaughlin or if that pushes out Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons or whoever, so be it. Because then you know what? You're putting your best five out there and they want a job and they prove to you that they are developing and they're young. And that's the big thing that you want to look at. You want to see development of those offensive line guys. And if you can find a few of those guys that can just fill, like you said, fill your two deep, give some competition. Competition never hurt anybody. Give some competition to the to veterans on the list, the guys who I've mentioned who have started 20 plus games in college and are still around. That's the kind of competition you want. That's the kind of com- competition that you need. I think it's time for Justin Fry to hit a home run. This is his third cycle here, and I've, he's done good. He's hit a couple of singles, maybe a double or two, but it's time for him well, to hit a home run. The and, car, I was going to say the Carter Lowe thing, that's probably like a double or a triple, but that was also a meatball down the plate that you knew was coming. It, yeah, that's I mean? a thing. He was it's, served it's a that one up. And he, it's he, a, did, he, he had a good hit there, but you, you need to find something out of your reach. I know what you're saying. Yeah, that's a bigger – not landing Carter Lowe is a bigger conversation than if you do land yes. Carter Lowe. Because that's – like I said, that's Luke Montgomery, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson. That's what they do. They get the in-state guys. You got to go get a guy to come here where it doesn't make any sense that he's coming here. And this is the biggest switch of all of them, obviously. But David Sanders out of Charlotte, North Carolina, the number two player in the top tackle, he was here for the spring game last year. It doesn't seem like there's much traction there. But that's the type of guy I'm talking about. You mentioned Micah DeBoyce, who is living in Alabama, but is from Northeast Ohio. That's that's in the Donovan Jackson range, but at least that's a top 50 recruit that you would be bringing in here. You know, Josh Petty out of Georgia, Andrew Babaloa, hopefully I'm saying that right, out of Kansas. These are just, there are 14 offensive linemen in this cycle who are rated as top 100 recruits. And Two of them are committed. So there's 12 of them who are still undecided. One of the two is committed is Carter Lowe, obviously. And then the other one is Solomon Thomas, who's from Fort Jacksonville, Florida, and he's committed to Florida State. The other 12 are still undecided. Can you get two more of those guys? And when I yeah. say offensive, this isn't just the tackles. This is the 14 tackles and interior offensive linemen. Can you get three of those 14? That's what I'm talking about when you say home run class, because that's how you – reset your room a little bit and raise your ceiling yes the floor needs to be high as well yes you need depth you also need high ceilings and right now there's not a lot of guys that they're bringing on a yearly basis where you look at them you go okay at least from a recruiting standpoint say these guys have high ceilings so 14 top 100 recruits can you get three of them and i'm not saying can you get three of them by the end of the spring i'm just saying to your point can you get traction and put yourself in the position to when you do get to december we're looking back on this list and it's like oh how has got three of the top 14 offensive linemen in the country. That's a heck of a class, Andrew. Yeah. And, and again, I have kind of made this point like Michigan along the offensive line. And I understand there are offensive lines that do different things, but Michigan along the offensive line is not signed a five-star talent on the offensive line in like the, I think it was Jim Harbaugh's tenure. And then it was, I think even since urban Meyer started at Ohio Mm -hmm. state, that they haven't signed a five-star up front. And that's a huge deal that you, because to me that proves that you look at Michigan and like they are doing something right. Something's in the water in Ann Arbor. And there are different things that go into recruiting rankings. I understand that because Michigan and Ohio state are after two different offensive linemen. 
You know, mm-hmm. there, there are two different styles of offensive linemen. You know, Michigan wants more run grading type of guys. And, um, you know, Ohio State definitely wants a little bit of versatility. That's why I think that Carter Lowe is an outstanding offensive lineman for Ohio State. I mean, just what he can do athletically. That's, I mean, his mom told me they compare him to Paris Johnson. And they're kind of telling him, like, we think you can be Paris Johnson. And that's a big deal to get that type of guy into your program. So the rankings kind of are what they are, but I do think it kind of go, it does goes to show you where it's, you know what, you, you got your top 100 guy. It'd be great to land another one because those guys, you know, you feel better about them. They're, they've got more eyes on them. More people are ranking them. More people are nitpicking at them and, and trying to figure out what's going wrong and what's going right. And if you can, even if, even if they're not a top 100 guy, you land a 125. 150. If you're landing some top 150 guys, that is just as important to me because again, it's such a development position. Seth McLaughlin said the other day when he went to Alabama, he was 260 pounds. Like this is not a situation where you show up ready made. So it's okay if it takes a little bit of time for these guys to form into their bodies. They're setting alarms at 4 a.m. so they could wake up and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so that they can gain, you know, 30 pounds in a year. Like that's what these guys have to do. And I just look at the offensive line and I'm like, you know what? If you don't have to land, you know, four or five stars. This doesn't have to be recruiting or corner or recruiting at corner or receiver. That's not what I'm saying. You just have to recruit better and you have to land some of these top 150 guys, these top 100 guys, even top 200 guys. Like th- that would just make you feel so much better about the direction that this line is headed. So those are the top two things. And we'll take a quick break. And then we'll get to what Andrew's number three thing on the list, but also just some players maybe that teams that fans should be keeping an eye on as Ohio State heads into the spring. But we'll get more into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're talking the most important things Ohio State needs to get done on the recruiting trail as it heads into the spring and continues to build its 2025 recruiting class, which right now is number four in the country with seven commits and one, two, three, four, five top 100 recruits. In fact, all but one of them are inside the top 
200, the, the last guy who's not a top 100 recruit, but he's at least a top 200 recruit is Javon Boggs, who is climbing, man. We, we told yeah. you back when he committed that, listen, this might be a Jackson Smith the Jigba situation where Brian Hartline got in on a guy and then by signing day, he's a top 50 recruit, five-star recruit. I'm not sure if Javon Boggs will get there, but maybe he will because he's playing down in Florida. But he's starting to climb a little bit there. And then Eli Lee, who might be Tommy Eichenberg, 2.0. But, Andrew, we named our first two things that are most important for Ohio State to get done, and that was getting traction for the defensive and offensive line recruiting. We are not saying you need to have your full defensive line and offensive line recruiting classes built, but you start got to start to gain some traction here in the spring. And, obviously, coaches are on the road right now you know, out recruiting. And then in the spring, when Ohio State starts spring practice, a lot of these guys will be on Ohio State's campus watching some of those spring practices. But what's your number three thing Ohio State must get done as it heads into the spring? This is a personal interest story for me. This is a personal interest thing that I that I want to see happen over these next couple of months. Because again, you mentioned it, you're not going to land some of these guys. We're not saying, hey, you got to have a class of, of 24 by Memorial Day or something like that. Th- that's not the point of this. I do, however, want to see some traction with a quote-unquote surprise where you might have to win an NIL battle. And I want to see what that looks like. I want to see them get involved and stay involved with a guy, you know, who is in that mix. Yeah, you know, you don't want to name names because, again, there is this kind of negative assumption with NIL. Oh, a kid doesn't, you know, love football. He's only doing it for money. Yeah, a lot of people do it for the money. I, I mean, everybody takes a job for the money, you know. So I, I don't want to say that as a negative. I want to be clear. But I want to see Ohio State throw its weight around a little bit. Because we've seen it in the portal. We've seen them go after some big name guys. You land a Julian Sand, you land a Caleb Downs. Um, you know, you, you finish strong with your recruiting class, frankly. You know, you finish strong there. Um, but you also see it a lot with what the roster is gonna look like from the twenty twenty three to the twenty twenty four season, because Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloa are still around. Tyler Williams is still around. Denzel Burke is still around. Lathan Ransom is still around. Go down the list and look. Emeka Buka is still around. Trevion Henderson is still around. All of these guys that could have gone pro and maybe in a different version of college football do go pro. You know, you don't know what guys' situations are, but maybe the, you know, coming back to Ohio State isn't as appealing in 2013. You know, if this if this was the same thing that was happening for the 2013 to 2014 seasons and this was the roster, maybe it's not as appealing. Um, so I want to see Ohio state throw its weight around a little bit in the NIL circles and the NIL game. And I want to see, I want to see what happens and, and how that kind of unfolds because I'm just, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like, who that guy might be. You know, I think that, you know, you look at a guy like a Justin Scott in the last cycle where, you know, it felt like he was going to. To Notre Dame, and then it felt like he was going to Georgia, and then it felt like he was going to Miami, and then it felt like he was going to Michigan, and then all of a sudden Ohio State comes in late, and you're like, oh wow, that was kind of crazy. Oh wait, he just committed to Miami, and like I want to see a situation where Ohio State is very clearly being competitive at the top of the level, at the top of the recruiting level, because that's what you would expect from Ohio State, and that's what we have seen in these last couple of weeks that Ohio State is competitive in this NIL market now. They are doing things to win at an NI in an NIL world of college football. 
now I want to see it happen with some of these kids in high school. And it doesn't even mean that you're going to land some of these kids. It doesn't even mean that that's going to happen because guess what? You can walk away. It's it's a free agency negotiation with some of these uh, with some of these recruiting uh, situations. But I want to see Ohio State really, really use the power of what their NIL program has kind of proven over these last couple of weeks. And I just want to see how that unfolds. Yeah, you're not going to see that. <laughs> That's fine. That's, I understand. I, that. I think I, would I, like I understand to. what you, I understand what you're asking there. I, I just that was not going to happen. I think. This offseason has been proof that the NIL is fixed in the way it needs to be fixed. I don't think Ohio State is going to ever get into the business of trying to outbid for recruits because that's probably not worth it, right? Where would yeah, you, sure. in, in all seriousness, would you have rather that money have gone to some recruit who's not proven, who's 18 years old, and you don't really know much about, and you're not all the way sure? If they're going to be good enough to play for you, you think they are based on, you know, recruiting rankings and your evaluations, more importantly, if you're a head coach and all that stuff, but you're not 100% sure, or would you have rather that money been used in a way that gets back a roster that now might be the most talented in college football? Well, it depends. Get back a roster because I think get, get back a roster is probably too far. Like if you want to say... We- would you trade? No, it's not. I think that's perfect because the roster, if, like as I, a whole, how many? And all, I'm yeah. Yo, Ryan Day came out and said this a couple of years ago. Our, our former colleague Doug Lamarise was in the building when he said this. But it, at that time, this was three years ago. That it takes thirteen million dollars to keep to, to keep together your roster. We're not even talking about recruiting. Just keep together your roster. We're now living in a world where. Unless you're a surefire first-round draft pick, a.k.a. Marvin Harrison Jr., you can realistically think about coming back for a fourth year because there's probably not that big of a difference between, oh, your third-round pick money and coming back in whatever you could get in NIL by just coming back to school. That plays – it's not the biggest factor, but it definitely pay, plays a factor in why Ohio State only lost two of its NFL-eligible players. This well, offseason, and one of which is going to be a top five draft pick. So that play, that's where I think as a fan, you would rather want that. You'd rather want JT Tuimaloa, Travion Henderson, Emeka Abuka, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock. Coming back, you would rather Will Howard, Seth McLaughlin, Caleb Downs, Quinshawn Judkins. Mm-hmm. You, if, you're, if that's how you're going to use it, I'm not saying this is what happened or didn't happen. I'm just saying that those are the types of players who should be getting these big deal monies in terms of NIL space. And that's where you need to be throwing your weight around in terms of NIL space, not for the 18 year old who, yes, he's a five-star. Yes. He might be pretty good, but it's still a might. You know how good some of these other proven guys are. So I think if you're, if you're, if your thing is to hope that they throw their weight around in the recruiting space, when it comes to NIL, I understand why you're saying that. I don't agree with it. And I'm also saying mm-hmm. that's probably never going to happen. But what you are seeing is the NIL is fine. They're competitive enough that it doesn't feel like they're just losing races. Like there's a difference between losing and walking away. Of course. And it felt like two years ago, Ohio State was losing because of NIL. It doesn't seem like they're losing on the recruiting trail because of NIL anymore. While also this roster is proof of, where Ohio State's NIL, how healthy it is at this point. So I like when we disagree. It makes me feel nervous um, because 
I always am like, man, Stephen knows his stuff. I'm, I'm worried now. But I like when we disagree. I think it makes for good podcasting. Um, the question that I would have for you, though, is this. Is there not in our, and I'm not even, I'm not saying I am for this argument. I, 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 cause I'm, I'm, th- I thought of that as, as this, as you were saying it, could you not argue for a position like along the offensive line, for example, like we'll use Jordan Seaton as an example. Could mm-hmm. you not argue that a development position and taking a swing in that realm where you go after a high school kid that you know you have to develop and that you know you have to you know go after early and you look at the transfer portal and you're a little worried about that you can go like ohio state has landed davis and igman in the transfer portal they mm-hmm. they got a starting quarterback in the transfer portal but you're probably not gonna have to do that moving forward so you got quinshawn judkins in the transfer portal you're never gonna have to do that at receiver you got a tight end in the portal uh, you got uh, Davison Benoson in the portal. You got Caleb Downs in the portal. I know the Caleb Downs thing was very unique, but there are certain positions where dudes just don't become available and dudes are just harder to come by in that regard. So is there not an argument for saying we're going to invest in a position where the development might take a little bit longer, but the upside is there because we are not going to find a player if this guy hits like if Jordan Seaton hits and he's a first round pick, you're not finding a first round pick in the transfer portal. Is there not an argument for that? No, there's not. Okay. There's been plenty of okay. guys that have gone in the transfer portal and been first round picks elsewhere. I, I don't agree with that. You're not finding a first round draft pick in the transfer portal. You and might not be finding line. a guy. I don't agree with that either. You might not find a guy who is already viewed sure, as that's a first a, yeah, round you know, draft pick fair. in the transfer portal. But listen, man. Paris Johnson was the first tackle taken off the board. But if before he played in 2022 at left tackle, I don't think people were viewing him as the first tackle taken off the board. He was probably viewed as a first round upside, but not that high because he still hadn't gone out, gone out there and actually done it. And teams still want to see you actually do it. And sometimes a change of scenery can do Jonah Jackson wasn't a first round draft pick. I, he's probably a better example because Paris was a five star recruit. And that was a okay, when we go let him play left tackle so then he can actually prove he's a first-rounder. Jonah Jackson was not going to get drafted, I don't think, before he came to Ohio State in 2019, when he was at Rutgers. He was a solid player at Rutgers for four years, but nothing about his career screamed he's going to be a draftable player. He came and played one year at Ohio State, ended up getting drafted, and now he's a starter for a team on who who's, I think he was made a Pro Bowl a couple of times, but now he's a starter for a team who just played in the NFC Championship game. So I don't agree with that. You're not. I think you can find a first-round draft pick anywhere. No, you're not going to find a guy who's already viewed that that way because they wouldn't be in the transfer portal. But sometimes a change of scenery brings something out of a player that the other program wasn't necessarily getting it. But to answer your question, no, I don't think you should do that. I don't believe that you should be overpaying in the NIL space for freshmen. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that because it's still a might. Yeah. And this is – and that's the diff- – it's, it's, it's a might now. And that's a – NIL financial investment now. And this is the, we're talking about the collectives because obviously Ohio State's actual football program can't have anything to right. do with it. The actual university can't have anything to do with it. We have to make sure we're saying that because I think sometimes when people talk about NIL space, they automatically go to, hey, why isn't Ryan Day doing more? Hey, why isn't this, this coach doing more? But no, I, I don't think that. I think when you're talking about finances, would you want to pay for a mite? I, no, I don't think that's a – it's a mite. And I don't think you can always take that chance when this guy is a sure thing. He's is a sure thing. And we, when you're getting into a point 
when you're building college football rosters, where very much as Ron Daisy said this, it's become a year by year thing. That's even more of a reason for why you shouldn't be doing that because you're just trying to find your best 85 every single yeah. year, which is what makes well, recruiting that's how football so, coaches think in general. Yeah. Right. But it's actually true now. Yeah. It's not just like coach speak. It's actually true because guys are going in and out of the portal left and right. So I, I that was, a, I thought that was an interesting discussion. Yeah. I understand. Like I said, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just like, don't think that's the right way to go about doing things. I, th- I think of an, I think of an example, like a David Sanders. I, I'm not saying that that's going to be what his commitment comes down to, but he's, he's a, he's the number two overall player in the class. He's an offensive tackle out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's a guy where you wonder, like, you know, is think of it like a, like a, like you're investing in stocks, which I do not do. Maybe I should. I I looked at my bank account the other day. I should, I should start investing in something. Um, But I think you could look at the, uh, you know, the offensive line and, and kind of other positions where you, you might need some more swings like that. And maybe you diversify a little bit where you've got a couple short things. You go after the Hey, you know what, Jack Sawyer? We're gonna have we're gonna have him come back, and Trevion Henderson and Denzel Burke, and then you make a risk. You you do have a risk. I, I have to I have to marinate on that a little bit more um, because I do understand the argument of telling an eighteen year old kid, or uh, more accurately, telling a twenty one year old kid, "Hey, you're making just as much as this eighteen year old because he was hundred and seventeen spots higher than you in the recruiting rankings, and that's what we had to pay to get him." So sorry. You know, I, I wonder if there is this, um, like, I like, I wonder how that conversation would go, and my hunch would be not well. Um, and and I and I am curious, just though, is it not worth it in some regards in a situation like that? Like, if if you get into a mix where it's like we can have one year of you know X player, or we can take a significant risk and and do this for a guy who might be you know, a three-year level player that is going to be a first-round type of player. Like, I wonder if that is how some of these programs in Ohio State maybe starts to look at things. Could be wrong. So so that's your three. I do have a couple I want to throw in here. Um, This is just my own list that I was thinking of in my head. I think it's it's starting to build the momentum for the June official visits. And you haven't gone through this, Andrew, yet because you, I mean, you've only been on this beat for six months. But Ohio State does the bulk of its, pretty much like 95% of its official visits in June during those weeks, those weekends in June. And typically over the past couple of years, we've seen come out of those June commitments, excuse me, June visits be July commitments. And it does feel like for some position groups, they can use the next three or four months here to start finishing, putting the finishing touches on their classes. Especially, you look at Tim Walton and um, uh, Matt Guerrero in this in this secondary group, right? You've already got Devin Sanchez on hand. You've already got Blake Woodby on hand. You thought you were going to get Dorian Brew possibly on January twenty fourth, but he pushed back that commitment. But can you hold off any other teams who might use this extra time to turn it into something? Trey McNutt, who's the top player in Ohio right now, who's also a defensive back. Can you lock that guy in over the next couple of months here? I think defensive recruiting is so far ahead right now of where it's typically been at Ohio State that it seems like we're waiting on the offensive side, which I think is a positive because the offensive recruiting outside of the offensive line has never been a problem. So I I think if 
So if it's taking a little bit longer, I don't think that's a big bit of an issue whatsoever, especially since you've already got your quarterback, Tavian St. Clair, locked in as a kid out of Ohio who probably is not flipping anywhere unless something drastic happens with the program. But can the defensive recruiting especially, and maybe I'm not wording this correctly, but build momentum in a way that when we get out of July, you're looking at the defensive recruiting class and going, oh, they're pretty much done. And right now they're looking for ways to throw cherries on top of stuff when you start going after some of these other five-star top 100 recruits around the country. Or or it's maintenance too. I think that that is you know, mm-hmm. one of the other things with this too, because you know, you're going to have situations where a program is going to try to get involved again. You're, a program is going to try to get back in the mix. And I think that that is, you know, that's a big deal. And you got to be able to ward that off. And the earlier you get in with guys and the earlier you can make guys a priority, that matters to kids. You know, if you're if you're talking to kids and you're saying like, hey, you know, we've been on, you know, we've been on you. We've been talking to you for three years, for two years. And then all of a sudden you have X program come in in July before their senior season and be like, hey, nice to meet you. Let's talk about coming to play here. It doesn't carry as much weight if you've got a, a relationship already formed. So, yeah, it's it's not just, you know, maybe you're going out and searching. It could just be like playing a little defense, no pun intended, playing a little defense on what the class you want it to be and and kind of where you think it should be at. And the last one for me, this is not necessarily a to-do list thing for Ohio State, but more just an entry. There's always those players who pop up and maybe are a little bit more of late bloomers in these situations. And I am wondering if if there's any of those guys who pop up. Obviously, C.J. Stroud didn't pop up until the summer when he went to Elite 11 and, and blew it up there and ended up being a top 50 recruit. And uh, we're seeing what he's doing now. Devin Brown was the same way. You see that quarterback all the time. Are there guys at other positions? Jermaine Matthews is another guy as a cornerback who did it heading into his senior year. Who out there does Mark Pantone tell Larry Johnson or Tim Walton or Brian Hartline or Justin Fryer? Maybe even one of them comes today or somebody on the staff sees somebody who had really good junior tape as they're evaluating guys. And all of a sudden, this kid's popping up on Ohio State's radar because he had a really good junior season and he might be building on it. And so Ohio State potentially got in on that kid earlier than the rest of the teams in the country but that's that'll wrap up this pod those are our things on ohio states to do this as it enters the spring right now the number four class in the country with seven commits in it get the text 614-350-3315 all news all analysis all everything coming to your phone first when recruiting stuff happens when football stuff happens when anything happens we're texting it to you first two-week free trial 399 after that for andrew gillis i'm Stephen means and that was buckeye talk